Hello and welcome to Off The Track. My name is Peter Russell and today I'm joined by Ben Galvin. Hello. Corey Crane. Hi there. George Stoner. Hi there. Matthew Fleming. Hello. Michael Walker. Hello there. And Riley McGlue. Hello. And today we're going to be discussing sponsorship. How to get money. Not just money, though. Dollar, dollar. Yeah, products as well. Help. Help. How to get help. Just general things you'll probably end up needing in this competition, I, mm. I think. Yeah, you know. Um, so, so dollars is probably the big one that people have questions about. So anyone want to take a bet on who is the most successful at getting sponsorship here? Oh. We were very well supported from our community. Oh, Infinitude here. Infinitude uh, got 85k. Oh, actually, if maybe I recall correctly. Uh, what? what? How much did you guys get? I think we're in the 70, 80,000 range. All right, so not bad. You guys are getting 70 or 80? Yeah. We're only getting <laughs> 40. <laughs> we got about 60, I think, from Visity. 60, 70. Yeah, that sounds about the same for Ionic. Yeah. George, what about you? We got £17,000, which is, what, 34000 wow. Yeah, so you were about precision racing level of sponsorship, yeah. So but we only had three of us, to be fair. So we saved so much. On hotels and stuff like that, yeah. Um, yeah, we only had one hotel room. Okay, well, I think that solves the uh, question, guys. Um, <laughs> if you're struggling with money, just cut your team in half. <laughs> <laughs> Um, not serious <laughs> advice. I don't do that terrible idea. Um, but but seriously, uh, Hader and and Ben and that. Why 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 were your teams so much more successful at gaining sponsorship? Do you think than Precision and um and Evolve? Well, I think Ascension just required a lot of monetary support behind us because of uh, we were a fairly large team. Uh, considering we were a collaboration of both teams having five members and in total we actually only end up losing one member. So there were still nine of us going over to Abu Dhabi. Um, and Abu Dhabi is just so much more expensive than travelling to, say, Malaysia or Singapore where the flights are more expensive if you're travelling a longer distance and the pit display transport also costed uh, quite the mint. And I think um, because we were a collaboration team between two different states, there's there's two pools of money there. Yeah. Um, as opposed to if you're just a standard team or a team or a club team in the same state, you've you're narrowing your option. You, you've got a, a narrow options. Yeah. Right. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So obviously, collaboration teams have a bit of an edge being in in two different sponsorship markets. So. I know at Precision we got a fair chunk of ads from the South Australian and the federal governments. So obviously you could double dip with, say, Infinitude, Victorian and SA governments. I think you said in the previous episode, Peter, that that's where you got a fair chunk of your funds, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, we looked at, yeah, we went to both governments. Well, we went to the state governments in both of our states as well as the federal governments. That came as from REA as part of the default sort of funding and partnership they have with the Department of Defense. 
Right. Um, but yeah, it was definitely helpful to have both state governments pouring their money in for us, which was, yeah, good help. It was a decent size of our income. Yeah, for us in Ionic, um, we found that being in two states also allowed us to get um, two grants, two separate grants from the federal government. So not just having different state governments. Yeah. Right. We, we didn't get any money from, from any government sources. Even the EU? They're very generous with their money. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, well, I don't, I don't, we never look for it. And I'm not sure they'd be particularly happy to give it to the UK anymore. Um, Good point. But, um, <laughs> no, no, kind of got that bit of no, detail. Yeah. Uh, there were no obvious sources of government grants that we could apply to. Hmm. Not, not, and there was no sort of, I think, there's a, as you said, there's an REA, Department of Defense collaboration. We don't have anything like that. Yeah, you're not going to get any money from Department of Defense, though, because they already sponsor REA. Yeah, and we yeah. don't get any money through REA either. Oh, not yeah, anymore. Be... That doesn't happen. No. Not anymore. Oh. oh. Um, REA passes on to different grants that we can apply for. So with Ascension, we managed to get two grants from our state government. And so our schools applied separately, and we both managed to get about $40,000 in total from uh, that grant alone. Yeah, that was the same here for Ionic. That's like your, our whole budget for precision. What? God. Yeah. <laughs> we go all from two grants. I think we got 10000 from a government grant um, as well. I'm not sure which one it was, but it was a, that was our largest sponsor. It would have been the, I, I think it's the New South Wales STEM grant. Yeah. For uh, us, it was the, uh, just the federal um, Department of Science, Department of Industry and Science. No, I think ours was on Oz Industry. Um, oh yeah, I don't know any more than that. <laughs> right. So, so what I'm hearing here is that if you're if you're looking for money, and you're in Australia, um, hit up the government. Yeah, the Department of Industry, Innovation, and Science has the grant. Right. So, so that's good for the for the monetary side. But um, if you listen to our uh, our other episode that will come out close to this one, the engineering one, um, we also discussed how collaboration's important and um george you spoke about how um helpful ba systems were sponsoring you by i think they gave you monetary as well as uh in yeah. client support they gave us just under half of our entire uh monetary sponsorship and they also gave us it's quite hard to quantify because they wouldn't normally Right, charge us, charge people for the service they manufacturing services they provided. But I think if we were to get all of the parts that we had made for us from BAE systems on their CNC lathes from like all of our different wheel types, it would have been several thousand pounds to pay a company to manufacture those for us, uh, all of the unique designs. So they were a really valuable sponsor mm. for us in terms of helping us to save money in that. That was money we didn't have to spend. I, I mean, overall, I think we probably, so I say we raised about £17,000 worth of pure money, but we probably then also had about another £7,000 worth, five to £7,000 worth of sort of services provided for us by sponsors. So we didn't, uh, so all of our pit display, the table and the printing, we didn't pay for any of that. That was all 
thanks to our sponsors, Speedscreen and WH Skinner. If I can plug them. Um, yeah, I, th- I think people need to not underestimate the, the value of in-kind support and how valuable that can be um, to you. Because it, it may not be money, but it's, it's products and services anyway that you'd have to pay for if you didn't get them from sponsors. So don't overlook someone just because they're there to provide in-kind support, you know? Yeah. Um, because Yeah, for it, example, for our national competition, we actually had only three money sponsors but 12 in-kind sponsors. So like mm. being able to do that meant that we didn't have to raise anywhere near as much money. And with our um, current like economic situation you're going to find probably a lot more people wanting to do in-kind sponsorships because businesses will be less busy, um, but they'll have less money. So it's probably Mm. a really good time for that in-kind sponsorship. And that's going to be a really interesting flow-on effect from this pandemic is how the the sponsorship pool is going to be affected. Um, Do you guys have any insights on that? Well, I mean, especially from like, understanding the competition competing for three years over the especially over these last three years sorry um the sponsorship pool is definitely um lessening every single day and year that the competition goes on and there's just so little money in the competition at this point that it's getting a lot harder to find those monetary uh, value sponsors um, and even in some cases unless you have personal connections um, the in-kind sponsor- sponsorships I can only imagine that after the economic crisis that will probably shortly follow uh, it's going to be even harder again for teams. Yeah well just on that Ben um, for us we're in quite a unique situation because nobody from our school besides myself doing cadet the previous year had competed and especially not at a world finals event and yeah. so the competition was quite fresh. And as you said, the sponsorship pool was, I guess, as great as it can ever be because we were the first round. And as a result, we had a lot of local business and we also have a lot of um, international large business in our town um, to support all of the forestry and industry with that. So we, I wouldn't say we found it easy. It's never easy, but we were very fortunate to have all the um, generous sponsors that we had both in kind and financial. I think it's lucky for um, us in particular having like a team from Cessnock and Penrith because while we had a lot of different manufacturing firms that were willing to offer their services and mentor us, they had a lot of different businesses more willing to provide a monetary sponsorship because of um, the location. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Very cool. Um, But so, so, Obviously, once you once you've started, you know, reaching out to sponsors and that kind of things, you need to consider what you're going to offer them as a return on their investment. Because you know, some people are doing this in part because you know, with students, with kids, they want to support our education, our learning. But that doesn't mean that they don't want to see some kind of return on their investment. And so, some of the ways that Precision did that was if they were a major sponsor, they'd get their logo on the car. If they were, you know, a, a big sponsor. They'd get their logo on the shirts and booth and all that kind of stuff. And all of the sponsors got spots on the portfolio and the website and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so what did you guys have return on investment wise and for your sponsors? 
our highest tier sponsors after nationals, we gave them a car um, and a, I think a certificate of some form. <laughs> that was more just in kind because really the, in terms of return on investment, it's mainly just they want to support um, students and STEM. It's usually like if it's like a franchise business, it's probably a probably they're just they've got a budget and they're just going to do it out of kindness and they're really not going to care about the ROI so much. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, think of creative ways to give back to the business and I'd focus more on the people in the business rather than the branding of that business. So like we gave them yeah. a car. Especially if it's a smaller business. Um, if you're talking about a local manufacturing shop or something like that, or a paint shop or something like that, then, you know, giving back to the people is probably going to get you further than giving back to like branding that company for them. The larger the company gets, the more they're concerned about getting their brand image out there and in a positive way and seen as a positive light in the community. Um, so one of our major sponsors from state through to world finals was our local Ray White Tumut branch. And they're exceptionally generous, not only with their time, but also with finances. Um, but what they were looking to get was, as you mentioned, that really positive image throughout the community. So we ran um, a quite a strong campaign branding as much of their branding across ours in the local region as we could. So events at that we had at our school or in town um, and also local media as well. That was, we had a really focused point on that one. And that was, they were exceptionally grateful for that as we were for their support. Yeah. Right. A good example. Yeah. We had a couple of sponsors that um, were known through sort of personal connections and in local areas. Um, for example, our biggest sponsor in terms of monetary value was SBS Fencing, and they sponsored the Penrith Panthers NRL club for Australian football fans. It's probably like 2%. Um, I don't know. We have a pretty large Australian audience. Oh, maybe it's 13%. And they provided us with tickets to a Penrith Panthers game, um, which was, I didn't get to go because I'm not in Penrith, so. I... <laughs> oh, that's a bummer, isn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was really just... <laughs> So, um, I didn't get to attend said football game, but, uh, I, I, I mean, there was a post about it on socials. Looks like everyone had a great time. Um, does anyone have anything else to add? George, do you have anything else to add? Do you have any unique ideas on return on investment? I mean, lots of things. I think, yeah, you've got to sort of, as has been pointed out, realistically, you're not likely to create a, the return on investment that putting a logo on a Formula One car would, that oh, people yeah. will suddenly go, oh, I want to choose that brand. I think, so I think taking the more personal approach to sponsorship is a good idea. So lots of what we did was when we went in, we might give a talk to our to a potential sponsor and we might give another talk and come in and talk about our work. And then after the event, we had planned this sponsors evening. So we got all of our sponsors together uh, for one evening and there were drinks and food and stuff. So trying to create that sort of more sort of 
a closer relationship with the sponsor, which I think so they feel like they've got more out of that. And they get an hour off work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we we did similar things as well. Um, we actually had like this performing, performing arts center at Brighton that worked really well as a venue for for hosting these kind of things. And so um, we we hosted a bunch of uh, sponsors for a sponsor's evening. And it was, there was two. There's one before we went to Worlds with a kind of update on our progress for Worlds. And then there was um, one that was post-Worlds as like a thank you for your support kind of thing. And we gave out a bunch of like certificates and and that kind of thing. And they all seemed to enjoy it a lot. And um, it, it seemed to, you know, really cheer them cheer them up that sounds like they're sad not not cheer them up but like they really enjoyed the evening you know um and it was a good way to end our, our professional relationship with them uh, at that point we attended a sponsor's christmas party if that counts yeah another thing for roi that we actually did was um have two different kind of markets for merchandise so we would make merchandise to just hand out on the trade booth at the competition but then we also had um like slightly more expensive merchandise, I guess, that we made particularly for the sponsors to mm. give out after the competition. So that was just a cool piece of personalized ROI that our sponsors enjoyed. That's 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 actually... I've not heard of that kind of thing before. Obviously, I've heard of cars, but actually giving them, like, merchandise and stuff. Hmm. So it was things like um, we engraved some wine glasses and made a laser cut box. All right, yeah. So that was for Ionic. The Queensland side of the team did that. Yeah, um, just to pick up on that, for well, I guess for our higher end sponsors, I guess if you will, um, we gave them a car, fully fully functional car, not quite race ready, but you could, it was display purposes. Um, we framed that in a really nice. Perspex box with a raised floor, um, reflective floor, along with a custom shirt for that business um, and a nice framed photo of the team at Worlds, um, I believe, with Chase Carey, I believe. Um, and they had a nice engraved logo on it as well with their business and thanking them. So, And we made the effort to go around to each individual business, especially post-Worlds, uh, to deliver that as well. Mm. And so that's another option is if you can't host a sponsor's evening or you can't get them all together for one evening, um, what we did after Nationals was we just went around to the businesses. We didn't have that many sponsors for Nationals. Um, we went around to the businesses and we just went in and we just thanked them and we, we chatted with them for a good 10, 15, 30 minutes, you know, um, and they, they wanted to hear all about the competition and how it went and that kind of thing. Um, and so. Uh, we just talked to them and they, they really enjoyed it with the awards and that kind of thing that we gave them. Um, and they enjoyed seeing pictures and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm making it sound like their grandparents um, <laughs> seeing pictures of their grandkids, but like that kind of vibe was actually quite close to what it was. They were just proud that they could support us through this, you know? Um, sitting with their personally knitted blankets that you made for their Christmas, two Christmases ago. They don't really get out when you come over. Yeah. <laughs> oh. you, you mock me, but it, 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 was, it was probably the most apt description of what it, what it was like, all right? Um, so, obviously, 
we've we've talked about how you know engaging your sponsors is is a key way of um, getting a sponsorship. One of the first things they're probably going to see from your team is a sponsorship prospectus, um, which you probably will want to send out either as hard copy or in an email or both. Um, so do you guys want to have a quick chat about the prospectuses and what you did prospectus-wise? Uh, sure. In our prospectus, so on the front cover of our sponsorship prospectus, we had a nice little intro graphic to uh, sort of invite the sponsors to be like, oh, what's this? Let's peep under the cover. Um, and then the next page was just sort of like an intro to our team and just just like a welcoming mat, a, a red carpet, if you will, to roll out what's ahead and how much money we need. Uh, then there's content and another introduction. And the what's rest that is, second introduction? I actually don't know. I haven't read it. Oh, God. Yeah, we did a similar thing with um, two introductions. So we kind of had our first, our main introduction um, talking about who we are as a team and then a second introduction about what F1 in schools is because most companies don't actually like know about the competition pretty obviously. Then some more introduction about team history before getting into actually what, how much money we needed and what our different options for sponsorship were. I think, Riley, that's a really good point about the explaining what F1 in schools is because I think lots of problems we had with sponsorship is we'd approach sponsors and they just wouldn't know anything about what it is. And in some ways, if, they, if people don't know really what they're going to maybe give a £1,000 to, they're, they're just not going to want to give you any money. You need, I think you need to explain. It needs to be clear what they're giving money to. Yeah, and just on that, having a good cost breakdown, I think, is also really important so that sponsors can actually see that you're not just flaunting them for their money, if you will, that they can actually see where their money could end up and as a real approach rather than just sort of handing it over and good luck, have fun sort of deal. We had statistics. We had social media statistics. Really? You had yeah. social media statistics? Yeah, we That's... worked in some uh, some social media age demographics and the uh, amount of exposure that they would get. See, this is the thing. This is something that people need to consider as well when they're looking for sponsors is, is how present they are with social media because Precision wasn't very present with social media at all. We completely botched the social media side of our um, team. So... Um, Infinitude, I think, really hit the the nail on the head with their marketing. Um, and obviously, Ascension took it a step further by including all your demographics and that kind of stuff. So I think that's a really good tip from from Ben there to, to include that kind of information because increasingly, when we're looking at marketing, it's social media marketing, the tools that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and that provide for you to to market your products to people are just they're immensely data rich and you can choose so specifically um, who and what groups you want to target uh, to get the most click-throughs and the the highest purchase to click-through rate and things like that. So that's a really good tip from Ben there. Does anyone else have some interesting little things they included in their prospectuses? Yeah, I think quantifying that your audience is a very good idea. Um, 
something else we included was in our prospectus, we had the our team's timeline. So our team over the last four years and the different teams we've been a part of and kind of showing our journey, I guess, to try and build that relationship stronger with sponsors. Mm. We actually had two prospectuses um, for our nationals campaign. We didn't do it for Worlds, but I still think it was a good idea. We had a one-page prospectus and then we had a long-form prospectus um, because basically one of our mentors, um, who was a local business person, um, said that if we had a one-page prospectus, that it's still got to have it's still got to be pretty and everything. It can't just be like a word document, but with everything on there, that'll catch people's attention more than a big booklet. So I know from experience that you know when it comes to dealing with you know people from outside um, a business, uh, you want to be able to easily see immediately what they want. Um, and I see this with my boss is that he deals with a lot of external contractors and basically if they're not concise about what they're offering to the business, um, almost always he'll just like discard them. You know, uh, I'll just move on to this guy because he can articulate quickly what I need. And you see this with papers and that kind of thing in the, um, the scientific fields is you'll have an executive summary at the start, which will be one, maybe two, if it's a really long study, um, two pages long. Um, so that you, your executives and your, your your bosses, your middle managers, can pick it up and have a look, and and get the gist of the idea. And if they need more information, they can ask questions or they can look at the bigger document. And so that two perspectives idea, I think that's a, a brilliant idea uh, on your team's part, Matt. Was our mentor's idea, but yes. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, your mentor's idea, but I, it, it fuses very well with what I've seen of. Um, you know, how people do business. George, did you have any little unique things in your prospectus? Uh, oh, we included uh, some stuff about our sort of community project. So our primary school project and the project we uh, we had, we'd started in our school. Mm. So I think sponsors like to see that they're helping more than just the team. I think they like to see that their money will go towards yeah, do you want to speak a little bit about that primary school um, program you did? Yeah, so we got the Denver primary track, uh, which is just a ten it's ten meters, and it's you pump it up with a bicycle pump, and then you press a button. You have two little paper cars that fire off, and we created a kit that we could take around to primary schools, and they could do, and they made these quick cars in over the course of a day. And in sort of small teams. So it's like a really, really small version of F1 in schools, basically. Uh, but we could take it around, get them involved. And in our, yeah, in our prospectus, we said, which was our pledge, that at least 10% of the money we raise, we'd spend on STEM outreach projects. So things like that as part of the breakdown of where, we'll, where, we, where we plan to spend our money. Mm. And and that looked really good to the judges as well, didn't it? Yeah, and and yeah, the other world finals and also the national finals before the judges liked to see that we were getting more people involved because I think it worked well with the in the enterprise portfolio the marketing F one in schools mm. bit. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that's becoming becoming more prominent in 
businesses is a lot of businesses are now um, using a more structured like corporate social responsibility and more often than not it nowadays it's including environmental pledges and with F1 in schools shifting towards a lot more environmentally focused and sustainability awards uh, in the booth and stuff um, that's something that should definitely be talked about in the prospectus as well. Yeah, uh, just going back to, oh, not necessarily uh, unique things in your prospectus, but I think the biggest thing I could stress is be flexible with your sponsorship packages. As I mentioned before, one of our businesses was looking for a strong community presence within just our local community. And so we made a plan and focused on that to achieve that for them. But other businesses may be looking not specifically um, for packages that may fit your exact criteria, but work with them and you should be able to develop not only a good sponsorship package, but a good relationship with that sponsor as a whole. Mm. We had a a similar situation. Well, I say similar, complete opposite situation. (laughs) So um, Easy Fuel, our primary sponsor for Worlds, they were extending into the Singapore market. And so we actually came to them at a really good time when they were starting to expand in the Singapore market. And we met with the, I think he was the CEO of Easy Fuel at the time. Great guy. Um, and we gave him my presentation and that. And he said, firstly, he complimented us how it was more professional than most of the other presentations he'd been given by full-grown adults. So um, take oh, from that what you will. We had that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's, it's a bit disappointing yeah, to hear, to be honest, that adults can't. <laughs> Um, compete, but it, that being said, you know, I can certainly see why uh, sometimes. But um, anyway, we we obviously he wasn't too interested in local promotion because they have already got a pretty strong brand in Australia. But he was certainly very interested in Singapore. So they had prominent um, places our booth, and they were prominent our car as well, uh, and that kind of thing to try and you know spread their brand in Singapore as much as possible. So, yeah, kind of the opposite of what you had there with the local business. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things I could stress is that you need to, to present a consistent professional image to your sponsors, you know, um, because your competition is other, you know, sports teams maybe or charities and that kind of thing. And if you can present a better case, a more professional case than they can, then they may sponsor you instead of um, some other sports team or something like that. And so professionalism is is one of the biggest ways you can attract sponsorship, um, as well as people you know. Um, don't underestimate the power of, I don't want to say nepotism, but nepotism. <laughs> um, and, and just knowing people and having connections is a really easy way to get in the door. You know, George, you spoke about how it was easier to get sponsorship from uh, a local, from, was it BA Systems because they were local? Yeah, so they had a local uh, sort of manufacturing and engineering plant. I don't know what you call it exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it was easier to get sponsorship from them because you could contact the local place instead of the national brand and that kind of thing. Yeah, and it was definitely, I think, if we approaching the national headquarters would have been sort of reaching too far mm. yeah the thing about trying to reach for like those larger companies is you won't be sent to the right person straight away and depending on how much time you have 
it may not be enough in order to get to that person um, because of, well, it, the name F1 school still adds the word schools in it. So it sort of does carry around a certain sort of thought with it that either oh, just school kids, we don't really need to worry about this too much. And that's why another reason why local business is so much easier is if they do know you and what you're about. And they can meet you and they can talk to you and they can see how switched on you are to this this competition yeah. and how, you know, you're not just school kids, but you're the school kids that are able to present a professional brief um, for a what is essentially a miniature business. You know, Andrew Denford um, was talking the other, um, a few weeks ago uh, about how he, they're running small businesses, uh, these teams. Um, and that, that's what they are. And if you can present a good image to other businesses, you know, they're, they're more likely to support you in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but on what Ben was saying, also, don't be afraid to reach out to those major businesses. I know we managed to form some of the best relationships with businesses, with some exceptionally large businesses. For example, one uh, formerly DuPont, now Dow DuPont. Um, which, for example, allowed us to get access to some polymers that we would have normally never been able to lay our hands on. Um, but they had that ability being such a large uh, multinational, I guess, if you will. Yeah, with big companies, um, you see teams going year after year with big sponsors. So, for example, a, te- a company that regularly sponsors some Malaysian teams is Petronas, who obviously already have strong links to Formula One via the Mercedes team. Um, but their team, by continuing their support with year after year with different teams from their country, they're managing to use it very well to gain, I guess, they, they're manipulating their sponsorship well to gain more social, like, damn it, can't think of the word. Credit. Credit. There you go. And also BWT with an Indian Formula, Formula One teams. Yeah. I think. Isn't it Austrian teams that beat it? Yeah, it was Austrian. Yeah, sorry, Austrian. We had a quote in our prospectus from Henry Ford. There's a quirky thing that we've done since the start. Was it, um, they can get the Ford Model T in any colour they like, so long as that colour is black. <laughs> no, it's not. That's my favourite quote from him. Mine Something about CKL, teams but... coming together. Mm. Do, you ha- do you remember the, the full quote? Yeah, I've got it right next to me. Coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress. Working together is success. I think every team has used that quote. All right, well, I can say that we, we did not. Um, we, we being who? Precision. Precision, yeah. Sorry. Did, did, Infinit- did we use it in Infinitude? Oh, no, we didn't. Uh, there you go. So we didn't. Terminal velocity did. Both senses of the term, yeah. <laughs> Uh, for us, we found it really successful to not only have the prospectuses um, printed in high-quality um, documents, but to also not uh, request for them back, have them as a disposable unit, if you will, to leave with the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way they can actually have some time to consider it rather than simply a meeting or whatnot. Um, also, potentially, if they request more, just give them more. They may need to send it away to higher powers to uh, get authorization and have those supporting documents with them really helps your case. Thank you for listening to 
off the track. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, you can rate the show on Apple Podcasts because it helps a lot in magical and mysterious ways. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Off The Track Podcast, and you can visit us at offthetrack.net. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you can join us on our next episode. And goodbye from me and everyone else. Goodbye for now, but not forever. Shout out to people who listen to us on Apple Watch.